It's recording. Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Chill and Ambitious. Yes, it is. We're going to be talking about current events today. Yeah, that was some feedback we got that people wanted to hear more about. So we were like, you know what? Let's just, you and I, chat it out. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. Um, so yeah, so there's a lot going on in the world right now. I think the one thing we decided we don't want to talk about is the presidential race. <laughs> yeah, <Because> I've <laughs> honestly pretty much checked out of that unless it's like pretty major. I just can't. Fi- you just you just get stupid. It just <laughs> it seems like I'm watching a reality television show, and I don't even watch reality television. Yeah, so it's like a soap opera. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's not it's funny anymore. It's really it never was. <laughs> I mean, there was like parts where like I feel like at the beginning it's just like okay, this is just so absurd. Although I did read somebody um, doing their impression of Trump that I thought was pretty funny because at first I didn't even realize that it wasn't an impression. I thought it was real. Something he actually had said. Yeah. It's like, I don't like presidents who get polio. <laughs> <laughs> like FDR, like if I was, so if I was president, <laughs> I would, I would have killed Hitler before that he got to <laughs> switch. And like, you know, just, just absurdity. Anyway. So yeah, that's only, that's all I've heard. Those, those things didn't even happen, but it could have, you know? <laughs> yeah. It really is just like, it, I, I can't. I'm sad. I'm sorry, everyone, that we that this is all happening. Um, <laughs> that's the one thing we said we'd stay away from. Um, because, anyhow, because there's a lot of other important things going on. Um, so one of the things that's been happening, like I know this happened last week, but people are still arguing about it, is, um, is the Kaepernick. Oh, yeah. Him not standing for the... Uh, <laughs> the uh what is it pledge called of pledge of allegiance what's that thing going what's, <laughs> what's that, that country well and you know what it has done though at first there was all that outrage but it's actually brought out a lot of good points i think well it's been back in the news because a lot of other football players have followed suit with different ways of protesting um, yeah during during that critical time especially on 9-11 um which just happened so like it was on specifically uh september 11th that I think has reemerged it again. Well, I mean, some of the really good points though are brought were like, I mean, first of all, ask require the point of having a free country is that you don't require anyone <laughs> to pledge allegiance <laughs> to it's, a country. <laughs> right? It's Isn't true. That, they um part of it. What was it? Uh, there's that mom that was really vocal of some gold star general that spoke out. I don't know why she got so much attention. She just put like a Facebook post out. But like much gold star families always like they're the most respected in families in in America. Fair enough. I will say that's actually why I know we said we wouldn't get talk about. But remember when Trump said that thing about that fallen soldier who was a Muslim? Oh, yeah. That's true. Um, that's actually when can't the right it. wing started turning on him. Because you can't fuck with a Gold Star family. That's the line. <laughs> Apparently, that's the line. That <laughs> wow. Is, we found it. Wow. <laughs> Gold Star. That's the line. So, yeah. Um, she was... Uh, I forget who was interviewing her, but... Uh, the the anchor pretty much questioned her in terms of being like, well, you know, you're upset because, you know, p- when you see the flag, 
you're very proud of your country and that uh, your son lost his life to like protect this country. And the anchor actually was like, you know, trying to be very respectful about it, but also like being like, but don't you think he also, you know, died oh, to so protect? So this woman was, uh, was ups- she was upset. She was upset. She thought she, that, she thought that like, was, was really disrespectful. And, um, you know, that that her son died, you know, protecting this country and it's it's rude to and disrespectful to the soldiers who fight for this country um to okay got it so that, that was her spiel um, um and uh isn't it disrespectful okay i this is actually the most absurd thing to me about it is that you're allowed to do whatever you want and you can decide if you think that that's disrespectful or not but isn't it really stupid that the only time we are paying respects to our troops is during the national anthem or the pledge of allegiance and like that that's the way we show our support for troops versus what are you doing? <laughs> Sorry. I found, I was looking for her name and the video went off. Um, isn't it really stupid that that's the only way we think we show support? Like what about, what about making sure our veterans have like, have like funding for mental health or whatever, or for like, for, for care after they come back to the country or that they can find like their services for job integration. Like that's so disrespectful. That's so much more disrespectful. Oh, and if really we think sad. that the only really time scary. we share, like the only time we show that we appreciate, like I think that soldiers is during the national anthem. And that to me is absurd. It's like the idea that like you took that away from them and no, no, like you're not adding value to their life by standing up and putting your hand over your heart. Like mm-hmm. you're not actually adding value to anyone's life by doing that. You're just you're swearing just your allegiance to, to the United <laughs> States of America, which which is supposed to have the freedom of speech, not necessarily like this is the swearing of you won't question, you won't. Uh, defile the country. <laughs> it's like not. It's wait, not like you're wait, signing. Wait, wasn't it during? The, was it during the Star Spangled Banner or not the Pledge of Allegiance? I think they do both. You yeah. do both. You do the pledge, you and then an, you also during Star Spangled yeah, Banner, which also the last verse, which was cut out, talks about slave ownership. So, <laughs> but it's really. I mean, I don't know. I'd like to hear your thoughts about like protests in different ways because then it's like everyone's always offended by everything like you can't protest by speaking out you can't protest by kneeling down you can't protest it's almost like we just want to pretend like this doesn't exist well i think the fact that it gets people that upset and that it's difficult in some ways does show like it's worth talking about you know like if it was easy if like everyone was like oh he's doing that thing (laughs) Like, you know, we all do it. It'll just be kind of like, whatever. It'd be like blase, non-issue, you know? And I mean, everyone has a right to. Um, I don't, I think protesting on its own isn't, isn't necessarily to celebrate. I mean, yeah, he's, like Kaepernick's using his position and uh, his celebrity in some ways to make a point. Um I am not so educated on how much he's been doing outside of that. You know, it's like, yeah. I feel like that's the big PR thing you get about it's, and he is putting in some ways his career and everything in the spotlight for that and taking that but risk. But it's also like, risk. what else, like, what, do, what else are you doing that's actually making, um, moves making forward? I mean, it's causing well, a conversation. Which I also is cool, think which that is, protest is the most American thing you can do. It's so funny because whenever somebody dislikes something someone else is doing, especially when it's related to the troops or what they 
pledging allegiance is not pled or and putting your hand over your heart is not like about the troops, right? It's mm-hmm. about your belief in a country, and like, you know, troops don't just get to represent that, like before a football game, or <laughs> right? And it's also bizarre to me that we do that before games, where people tear each other apart, versus like, you know. I don't know yeah, things that are more socially meaningful, so, socially meaningful, more socially meaningful. But um, I think it's actually the people saying that it's anti-American, like the right to protest is actually the most American thing that we have. Well, like if, if you, you want to care talk- about your country and I do think that it's coming from a place that you aren't giving up. You're not like, I'm just going to go to Canada. You're like, I want to improve what's going on here. And that's why you're actually making a stand. My thing with protesting that I do get frustrated with, I don't think is everyone, is I think it's the thing that has that community aspect to it, which is cool. But like I, when going to visit some protests and stuff, just like how many people who are like, I don't vote. And I'm like, how can you protest and not vote? Like, because the whole point is that, or how the system works, it acts like, like we don't have a system. It makes sense when like, like in China, like literally, like it's a dictatorship. Like, there's no actual avenues for lobbyists. There's no grassroots thing. Like, get representatives in there. Like, use the system. Especially now we have social media. Like, we can actually get people in office, you know? Like, yeah. and acting like that system doesn't exist. It's just, for me, it's like, that's also very American. And we see it as politics. It's so corrupt. And that the only way is to... People to, don't want to participate. To protest. It's just like, that. I don't know. I, that I think seems that like a really people... lazy way to to move it forward. I agree with you. But I also think that people are seeing that there's a lot more success when you go outside of po- like politics. Like, um, like if you want to help, like who's helping, like who helps when there's like a hurricane or whatever? Like it's not really the national guard that's like doing too much to help. It's usually like private, um, nonprofits that are like providing water and food and shelter and whatever. It's not really government funded. Like when people think about effects that they want to, you know chain like effect real effects happening when you really think about it most of the time you see it from outside the government and so I think that while there's something to that sentiment of like leaving the government alone and like like being like oh well it doesn't matter my vote doesn't matter yeah but when it's like, protesting pro- is to change the government normally right it's to have government action otherwise what are you pro- are you protesting, protesting to is- get people uh, but protesting is like also like it's like a physical blockade and like it actually does work, especially like and, and it hasn't really. I, I'll say I don't think it has worked since like what is it called? What is it called? Um, 99 percent, the 99 percent Occupy Wall Street. Yes. Um, during Occupy Wall Street, like that was super unorganized and people did. But there wasn't a real protest. And also government started going after protesters mm-hmm. like people like protesters were targeted a lot of them were like charged later on people who were like who were progressing that that movement so i think it scared a lot of people off from protests but another topic i want to talk about you have to have the there is a right way to protest like having it you have permits you have to actually like legal uh protesting actually has like a process if you just go out and yeah like stop traffic and make it difficult for everyday working people to go to work like that isn't necessarily that's not the legal way to protest that's when you can get arrested when you're not doing it the legal way well i i'm yeah, sure there are people who, could, who but, abuse but you have that to, i'm sure like you, you have to sometimes do it the illegal way for example dakota access pipeline right 
like, okay, so this has been going on, and I actually want to say this because there's an article that's like, or a headline, I've seen it through multiple sites, that says, um, Obama halt, like, victory, Obama halted um, the Dakota Access Pipeline, but they did halt it for a further review, like, directly under the lake that they were trying to, to stop the building from. They also asked the building company to not build within 20 miles of uh, of that space on good faith. But that doesn't mean that they're not going to finish building it. And when you declare victory, it diminishes all that work that's gone down. But you know that, um, what's her name, Amy Goodman from NPR was actually charged. She's a democracy now. Democracy now. Yeah. Yeah. She was charged with criminal trespassing. Yeah, I saw that uh, for just... For, for reporting on, from there. Yeah. Like, and that's really, really dangerous. No, that, it's, it's, it's a wrong precedent. It, and no, that's actually, I, that's an example that I actually, I feel like makes sense. And they were, I mean, especially when you don't have any rights. I mean, it was taken from eminent domain, correct? The, the land. I believe, I believe so. I mean, I don't think that they, I, th- I think part of it was that they never really, um, they didn't ask the the tribes to weigh in on um on the building of it at all and so like and technically that land because it's um because it's like native american land and it's sacred land it's supposed to be like it's supposed to be their land that they decide to do it but the government was like eh, no we're actually just going to do this um but they've been but people have been out there protesting the Sioux tribe has been out there protesting for months on end and they finally started getting some uh, some reporting, and then <laughs> and then they hit the one the one person who was out there reporting live. <laughs> They're like, "Oh wait, we're going to charge you with criminal trespassing," which is it sets a dangerous precedent for freedom of the press. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's enough. That is a really good example of. Um, of effective protest. I think protesting is definitely, like, I, we've, I've talked to you about this before. I just feel like everything gets so, like, black or white. Like, are you for protesting or against protesting? And if you like it one way, it has to be all or other. It's like, I for me, it's very much, like, how you do it. I, of course, like, that's very American that we have the right to protest. It's freedom of speech. Get that voice out there. It's just, I feel like a lot of times it does get coupled with not using like other political means when it's like, oh, I want to get certain legislation passed, things that would actually be systemic when it's like, oh, the first thing we're going to go to is just Protest. protesting and not really understanding how the system works as well as my apprehension about a lot of people who are just like so gung-ho about protesting. Well, it is a really convoluted system we work in. And, and protest really does, it's a physical barrier. It's something you can't ignore. It's visual like people see it and it like, and I know a lot of people get annoyed during protests. Cause like, well, if the whole thing people, about freedom of speech, then it's more than it's, if you're saying then it's actually about the physicalness, it's more than freedom. It's about disrupting people's physical lives. Absolutely. And when you have like people protesting and like closing down bridges and highways, people are annoyed by it, but it's also like, you have to ask yourself, well, if you really believe in this cause, are you really going to do everything in your power to make sure that, you get that you're heard, that your voice is heard. I mean, protest is about having your voice like 
amplified and, and actually like paid attention to. I mean, and I think that people also often confuse protest with riot, <laughs> which is riot is, you know. Right. But I guess the part that I get, like knowing what the laws are and going through the avenues that you can, and then that is actually legal. People and people are like, people were like arrested for protesting and they were doing it illegally. Like that is part of the, but is it legally. I have a question like, that's, though. That's I have like, a question though. That's a really blanket statement because if you say, Oh, people are doing it illegally, not always you're going to have a permit permit to protest. Like, but then a lot of things that happen at protests by cops are technically illegal. You know, we've all seen videos of people getting pepper sprayed and maced by the cops or like body slammed. Like, no, that's illegal. And they should be held accountable to that for sure. I'm not saying that's okay. Or that the other side doesn't do illegal things. I know, but like, I'm just not sure I, I did like, I'm not sure how many protests have permits. Like I've been to something that do for sure. But like, if it's on public property is when it requires um, a permit. But everything is public property. And when did that law become law? I'm uh, curious. That is part of the First Amendment. On the First Amendment, generally bars government from requiring a permit. Requ bars them from requiring a permit. So as long as it's on public property, then, then it's legal. So you don't need a permit. You only need a permit if you're going to like go into someone else's space and do that. So the majority of protesting is legal. Such non-permitted protests might involve speeches, press conferences, signs, march, da, da, da. So then that argument doesn't really hold water because most protest is held like on public streets and, 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 you know, in parks or that's public space. The protesters gather in response to breaking news. The First Amendment requires an exception from the ordinary deadlines in the government permit process. Hold on a But you said it bars the government from requiring that. So that's just, that's not true. <laughs> so then arresting people at protests, unless they are violent, but you can always... In a park. I mean... If Public sidewalks, when it doesn't burden pedestrians or vehicle traffic. That's the part. Because same thing with parades. You can't just have a parade, parade. either. Like Yeah, you but a parade, a parade is not a protest. No, but it's the fact that you stop like daily business. for or That's when you need a permit. So oh, if you're on sidewalks, if you are in a park, if you're not going to be in a place that will disrupt traffic, that is then unless the exception is if it's something that happened that day, you didn't have the time to go through the permit process. And I feel like that that's normal. That's probably, that's like all the, I'd say that's 99% of protests. Is that it happened that day. It happens that day or it's like within it, you know, it's at a park. I mean, I'm sh I know that it's illegal to like block traffic on a freeway, but at least you're getting paid attention to. But that assumes that, but that you're also, the law can't be above like. That's assuming that every time people protest, you're like about the cause. So say like the Ku Klux Klan wants to protest. Are you okay with them blocking traffic to get you to work? Like to get you to pay, like you might get like. I mean, I personally won't be okay with that, but if that like you don't get to decide which laws work for which people. Exactly. So this is across the board. And so what's different when you said it's the most American, I actually think like 
the French are a lot more open and accepted that you block traffic, like, because there's so much, like, whatever about business. They're like, whatever, like, you know, but, like, in America, we are business number one. And the fact that, like, if it's going to be stopping people from getting to and from their jobs, that's where we draw the line. That's where we're, like, that's sure, illegal. Sure, in practice. But if you want to talk about home, of, like, people are always like, this is America where we, where freedom is number one and it's home of the free and the brave. And literally the First yeah, Amendment, and literally, literally the First Amendment is about the right to protest literally right what? and they're not and of course so but, like but th- not in the street not <laughs> well like, that's uh, just people now being like i feel like it's just a bunch of people are just so lazy and complacent because we haven't really had to fight really hard like you know women we have women's suffrage i mean the civil rights act passed so people want to pretend like that's enough it's not enough you know the way we the way we have, we have a lot of systemic racism that we need to address. Um, but I think that once things pass, people just stop being, people start being lazy. Like, you know, abortion rights had passed a long time ago because and we it. keep slowly, slowly rolling them back. And people, you know, people are like, I mean, it's stupid that we're still arguing about this because it should just be accepted, but it's not right. So we just get really, really fucking lazy about all this, well, all these rights. Again, we're born it's with. about money. It's like, we normally don't protest until it affects the bottom line or like you literally like I think that's a run reason why like the Vietnam was the last like real war that we protested really hard against because there was this draft like literally you were forced it didn't matter it wasn't just like hey if you want to join the military you can like literally people are getting picked off up you know Everyone. Everyone. Yeah. And that's when there was an actual protest. So people like, I mean, yeah, people protested the Iraq war. They were against, there were small groups, but it wasn't on that same level because it didn't affect your actual day to day. Yeah. Unless you were like in the military. Yeah. Totally. What topic do you want to talk about? Um, <laughs> well, in contrast to that, it's just funny with the whole uh, patriotism, like people being like, oh, that's not patriotic if you don't oh my God. stand well- Moral absolutism, yeah. Well, but then they also, um, at the Jets versus Ravens game, Obama does, uh, he addressed the the crowd to, you know, remember 9-11, da-da-da, and people booed that. And it's the same people who are like... Who are like, that's un-American. Yeah, so like... I guess for them, they're going to make that same argument, you know? Like, I love this country, and Obama, I think, is putting our country, like, they probably are just garbage, da-da-da. And, like, so they are okay with literally booing, not even just, like, not sitting down, like, being vocally, I... I'm so over people's opinions, and, like, more, like, literally everyone, this moral absolutism has, like, gone too far, where people just can't let two things exist in the same space. Like, you don't have to like somebody to respect them. And to show them respect, you know? And you don't have to, like... Like, that shit drives me fucking crazy. Like, George Bush was the worst president in the world, in my opinion. In my... Well, actually, Dick Cheney was the worst president (laughs) in the world, in my opinion. A.K.A. Dick Cheney. (laughs) But um, people who disliked him still showed him respect. Like, it's crazy to me that people would, would will for someone to fail. Like, if your president and your government fails... You fail. You fail. Yeah. And it's bizarre to me... That people are so aggressive. I know. I think it's really rooted in racism and also in fear of like our economics. And I think that that always spurs more racism. Um, Absolutely. And intolerance. It's but ultimately racism. That they it feel is. like they, they can do oh, that. Oh, they feel like they can be more outspoken about it. But I think that it is. it comes from a place of 
um, it comes from a place of feeling like you're superior to someone. Like you could be like the poor white, right? Poor whites feel still superior somehow to Obama. Do you know what I mean? Who's like, like, and they relate to people who are, they relate to white elitists um, who are in power, but they're not helping them, but they still feel like a, an elevated sense of relation. You know, I think it's about how people view themselves. Well, um, I actually have this, like, talk about absolutism. I feel like this is the most common conversation I've had with so many people about um, when it comes to just anything. But, of course, it's related to race. And if I say that I think that we really need to make more systemic change to, like, reform prisons and the police um, system and things like that, I oftentimes get an immediate, like, you know, it's ultimately down to racism that like, you know, even if we change those things that there's still going to be racial problems. And I'm like, yeah, I know that. But I, I can also think that we have prop, like things to fix systemically. And then on the other end, if I'm like, hey, like, okay, racism exists and that da da da, da people are, will be like, oh, well, really, it's a systemic problem. And, that, and I'm like, no, I completely agree with both of these things. I actually, so on my on my OkCupid, I have on my requirements of like, or was it message me if, and I have message me if you um, recognize that we're all races, sexes, genders, whatever. I have like this whole thing and that the only way to push through that is to acknowledge it and um, acknowledge that we have these biases. And I think someone took the fact that I said the only way to push through this as if that will solve all racial problems. So he, his immediate thing back was like, you know, I, I, I love blah, 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 and I, you know, seem to respect a lot of your opinions, but I just can't get down with that. And that I really think systemic change will really change. And I'm like, no, like but you're that, an idiot. Yeah. Like that has nothing to do with, for me, like I say, message me if, because like I couldn't never talk about politics with you but if you don't recognize that part being an Asian woman like stereotypes will come out if you aren't critically thinking about these things like we are raised in a like biased society and like if you aren't you're going to be and so like I I don't even be because I'm actually honestly with the politics like I'm not an ideologist at all like for me it's about solutions like I think sometimes like you subscribe to one you apply to everything like you're gonna miss something so like for me I'm not like Oh, like it's only this and da 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 da, and yeah. So I feel like that's a conver- I've had that on either side. It's always just like, oh, if you think this, then you're anti that. And it's like, no, I'm no. just. Con- I just didn't feel like saying the other thing in the same yeah, sentence because like, it's not relevant. I think that the problem, you know, empathy, a lack of empathy, is the general problem. And like, even when I was saying like, like what I think is that like, um, like poor white racists still. It, everyone's kind of racist and nobody wants to be called a bad word. Like, the, you know, there is an argument that the best way to end racism is to redefine it and like use different language. Right. <laughs> because when you call it, when you have like an inherently bad, to well, b- bad association with one word and you call people that they're never going to accept that and say like, Hey, yeah, I am a racist. Like you're calling me a bad person is essentially what's happening. And they're feeling attacked. And honestly, to be fair, if you want to be legit about uh, what racism means, I'm actually probably using it incorrectly. It's been used to be, uh, to mean racial bias, but technically it's actually about the systemic racism. So like technically a black person couldn't be racist to a white person, but actually because white people are in power. Okay. So you're talking about So like actually technically I'm using it wrong because that's actually racism is usually applied to 
applied to um, systems and we use it kind of blanketly as bigotry and racial bias. So if you really want to yeah. get into it about are we using the right word. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then it also just comes from a lack of exposure to people other than yourself. Um, and so then the other becomes terrifying. Right. Um, and that's actually the fact that you said that. I actually, I had a friend with that same conversation where he was really emphasizing that it was a systemic problem. And then I had to point out like, as I completely agree, but I also want to reinforce that we still have to um, manage racism. And I, it's funny I use the word manage because his thing was like, we're always going to have racial biases. Like it is programmed in the way that we're always like friend or foe, that we our brains are wired to make quick judgments. Yeah, but we can actively work to we, be to more be, conscious of them yeah. and to adjust for them. And, and it's funny because he's someone who's actually very psychological. Like he understands a lot of psychology. And I was like, and I just started replacing racism with cognitive bias. And he was like, actually, now that you take that away, he could see like, that oh yeah, we manage that stuff all the time. <laughs> you know, like totally. we, we totally reward and punish different sorts of behaviors in our society. And yeah. And that's sort of just obviously calling it like cognitive racial bias. He was like, oh yeah, we, we manage that sort of stuff all the time, <laughs> you know? Um, I want to say that there is a really good, I love Chelsea Handler. I love her. I love her. And she has that show um, on Netflix. It's a new show that's basically like a, supposed to be like a late night talk show that's three days a week on Netflix called Chelsea. And not to be confused with Chelsea Does, which is also really good. And I highly recommend watching the episode about racism on Chelsea Does. But Chelsea her show's been really evolving and there was this, she kind of like does different things where she'll interview people. Sometimes she'll have people over for a dinner party at her house. Mm -hmm. And um, she did one that was called Dinner Party, the State of Politics. Good. Recording. It's called um, the D Dinner Party, the State of Politics. And she had people over at her house for dinner and she had black Republicans. She had a white gay lesbian well, a white lesbian who's trying to get who would like the republican party to accept um like you know be more open to homosexuality okay um and uh i think a reporter a political reporter and she literally it was a really wonderful conversation because everyone in the room had a real understanding of how politics works in a different way um than like and they all actually agreed with each other even though they had different like bias and it was really cool because like I learned so much from watching it what was the topic it was uh the state of politics okay um but they were just talking about how do we you know how our associations as like they talked a lot about our pro presidential nominees right now mm -hmm. but just like how they disagree with a lot of the politics in their party but like they all got along like to have, you know, Democrats and Republicans and whatever sitting down having a, an honest conversation about it without anybody getting angry or like. Was that normal for them? Or I was it supposed to be like a. I feel like oh. it, I feel like it was normal for them because they understood on a different level. Um, they're all somewhat involved in politics in some way. And I just thought it was it was really cool. Like, and I thought that it was like wonderful. I would love to do that. But t to get those people on in a room, they have to work together all the time. You know, like they do work with other policy. They all, they all are involved in politics Absolutely. and trying to grow their communities. And that's what's amazing is that actually like the real work of politics 
we weren't going to talk about the election. But oh, you're talking about <laughs> Hillary in that Ezra Klein thing? Yeah, but it's in general. Like, I mean, did you, you heard the Bill Clinton speech of her back uh, during the Democratic convention and how he was talking, like, you know, how she from the beginning has always been involved with social issues. And like um, when he first became, um, he helped her run for governor of Arkansas and how people were like joking, like, hey, maybe we elected the wrong Clinton. And she didn't necessarily at that time was like thinking to run because she was like, a woman and at that time like that's just like unheard yeah. of you know and blah 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 and like if you ever like yeah she's always she's been always someone who, um, who actually like does the work and it's this, like who proposes law and it's and, why yeah. like Planned Parenthood supports her and didn't support Bernie you know because she pretty much she works with organizations if they have a concern like she is really about like how do we help you get get that done and anyway, so besides that, it's funny because I think there's such a disconnect constantly. That was just an example that's been recently going around of like the disconnect between how Hillary's perceived by her peers versus how she's perceived in the media. But that can be applied to so many things. Actually, Ezra Klein does another, like, gee, I guess that's kind of a theme probably for them, uh, on one of his podcasts interviewing a lobbyist and talking about the Obamacare bill. And asking him what was like the most notable part of um, the health uh, of Obamacare and it was something I can't even remember because it was just so like the most contested part was about how much like certain hospitals were going to be paid for da 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 it was something that just like wasn't headline worthy it just was such a snooze fest and that actually was the reality of what people really cared about in terms of lobbying and what was being debated there and like there's just such a disconnect because it doesn't it doesn't get clicks it doesn't get um it doesn't get advertisers so then it then they start attacking the bill as like being socialist policy and that gets and headlines then, yeah, yeah and then it's emotional also just ta- tagging socialism socialist policy as something that's inherently bad yeah when that's not true we can right. talk a lot about socialism <laughs> and and for that same reason just to bring up what that whole as reclined video was about hillary i think the biggest takeaway from that the reason why he was pointing to the gap um between how she's perceived by her peers, which apparently is just like a doer or practic like someone yeah, who's somebody very practical. who just always gets things done. And they, when he asked consistently what um they what her peers admired about her and was that she was a really good listener, you know, and that she and that she really made people feel heard and not only did she make them feel heard, the next day she would actually come up with a solution and actual practical things and make it happen and so people didn't feel like they were wasting their time and he even comments that it seemed like a really sexist thing to say but go she's such a good listener she got, she knows how to shut up and listen you know <laughs> and I was like but it's actually like that's consistently across the board and he was like and it doesn't it that sort of leadership doesn't convey in the way we do prime like how we um but how the loudest voice is the most important voice always. Like, yeah, yeah. How, even though how the candidates, uh, what do you call it, um, campaigning, yeah. campaigning isn't based off of like, wow, you can really tell what a good listener she is from her speech. It's like, no, like. <laughs> Actually, Chelsea, in Chelsea, she interviews, in, in that one episode, the state, the dinner party state of politics, um, she interviews David Axelrod, and she also interviews him in other episodes. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember which one it was in, but he says that like, they talk about how he worked with Obama after working with the Clintons and like how that kind of created a chasm. Mm -hmm. Um, But he did say that the thing about her was that like, she hates the game of politics. Mm -hmm. She just wants to work. Mm. Um, And it's really funny because that's like where she falls short. That's why she, because she hates the game of politics. She just wants to like 
make things happen. Which and is people funny are like the opposite reaction that she comes off as super like, well, also I, calculating I mean, as a result. Yeah. But it's also like anybody who knows. So this is not necessarily an endorsement for Hillary. But I do think that it's really important with to her hashtag. Okay. I know you are. I know you are. I I guess I'm with her. You're not for Trump. I'm not for Trump. So <laughs> yeah, I'm a guess I'm with her. But um, what was I saying? It's not an endorsement for Hillary. I'm thinking about David Axelrod. What did I say? Help. Like just how much harder it is for a woman to be doing this. Like I know people are like, Oh, but like she gets criticized in a way that no one else does. It's like, insane. Anything she says, like it's almost weird too, because. And then you have an extreme it, of Trump. Trump. Sorry. Yeah, okay, I'm okay. sorry. I'll, I'll let you speak. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Exactly. Because he can literally say like a bajillion, like he's probably said, I don't even know how many thousands of untrue things. He opens his mouth. Yeah, he opens his mouth and it's just everything that comes out is is a lie or is a is a very skewered view, version of the truth. And he doesn't get held to the same standards as she does if, you know, for her, she has to know, like, like what happened on what day and like what she said. Like she she's always scrutinized for the same few things over and over, like the emails, the Benghazi, like, and I'm not going to argue about whether or not she should be, you know, she should be scrutinized for them, but people don't let her let it go. No one will let her let it go. Um, but it's really weird that like the man on the other end just gets a call hall pass. It's ridiculous. I and mean, yeah, we said earlier, like apparently gold star was, was the line for the <laughs> Republican the party, but everything else was fair game. Like. But it really does come down. And she's a woman. She, actually, she did a, an, Honey interviewed her, Brandon Stanton interviewed her on Honey, and she just talked about how she had to slowly kind of curate the kind of person she was as a woman trying to succeed, um, and then it's kind of come back to bite her in the butt. And I, it was actually a very real um, – it made me like her a little bit more, which is like, I don't need to like you. You need to be able to do your job. Right. Um, but that's unfortunately the precedent like that we – like the president with, you know? Well, yeah, campaigning and doing the job is completely different. And Trump clearly loves to campaign. He He's not even going to enjoy the job himself, you know? Like, because it's actually, like, it's not just yelling things. It's, like, doing a lot of boring shit, honestly. Like, the actual campaign. Like, or even, like, I remember campaigners, too, need to, like, um, what's, like, one of their big jobs, too? Is it, like, uh, for better or for worse? you know, they do have to solicit for money to, like, get things moving and stuff. And it is a very, like, was I was watching this report where pretty much all these uh, uh, politicians were talking about how, like, it's their least favorite part of their job where they literally yeah. have to, like, take away from, like, actually governing and actually, like, writing laws and stuff to, like, oh, Just everyone has to go, money. yeah, for the Democratic Party, like, do my do my bidding for them, you know? Um Actually, so you were saying that, you know, Trump literally just makes shit up and, like, gets away with it. I feel like... like Even if Matt he Lauer the other day when he lowered the bar. Oh, yes, yes. Um. Uh, well, if... I guess the closest equivalent to that on that would be, like, an Ann Coulter, right? Oh, my God. And that, did you see the, the roast, roast of Ann yeah. Coulter? I did not... Well, the roast of Ann Coulter, actually, it was... It was a roast for a Rob Lowe. Lowe. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> 
Um, the rose for Rob Lowe. Oh, no, I saw the I saw all of the roasts towards her, and they were rough. And people, I kind of felt bad. Um, yeah, it, I mean, I those roasts are mean in general. They they, they usually they, go like they they pick like every soft spot that normally is but off you know they limits. get paid to do them yeah so like she was paid to be on it so i don't feel super bad like but also you know that you're like a vi- like reviled like like hated person yeah and i i don't know i felt she bad there was something in me there was something, something in it, though, to yeah. build her career around it totally and she just wanted to go on and promote her book yeah um but like there was something in me that felt <laughs> really Coulter, sorry one more and Coulter has written 11 books 12 if you count me and cough mine cough yeah. cough <laughs> No, the the one where he was just like, I don't think you've left. La- I don't think Ann Coulter's laughed harder since Trayvon Martin died. Oh yeah, that that was the. I saw that one tweeted a lot. That one was rough, but I will say this: I felt really bad. I did like there was something in me that was like a ve- I had a very empathetic like m- moment, but then I was like, will this make her a kinder person to others? Like knowing how this feels, like will this make her kinder when she speaks about? other people so poorly i don't know i don't know i was hoping that that because you know i did have some empathy for her um it was rough do those roasts are so harsh in general did you ever watch the flavor flave one that was the one i remember for some reason it's the one that sticks in my mind and i even saw kind of the make um watch something where it was kind of like the making of it and because they just like go in on every like black stereotype they do, they do, they do that too. In um, the James Franco roast. What yeah, they it? always. Choose, it's a roast. It seems to be like, oh, off limits. It's the time to like say all the P, like non PC shit possible. But that's that's comedians. Like, and so I don't want to feel like it's weird because if you're not a comedy person, which I love well, it's, comedy, it's, I love on. comedy. It's a time when a white person can say to a black person all sorts of pretty like to their face. Yeah, but, all sorts of like, but. It's true. Like, I, okay, this is going to sound, I don't know if this is going to like sound really bad, but like, I think that there needs to be that space for people to really go there and try it. Right. Like you got to go there and try it if you're a comedian and other comedian, like they say it to people. Like if you go to comedy shows regularly, they'll say that shit. And sometimes it lands and sometimes it doesn't. Um, but I don't know if it's, it, morally i is it right is it not i don't know but people can say it to each other well it's just funny and it's different if you're a comedian like it's different if you're a comedian i think oh man this is getting in like weird territory because it what really like some what makes a joke funny is its sincerity well and it's context and if it's it's pushing a conversation forward and there's awareness about it too which is i think a key part i don't think all comedy needs to have awareness but you're gonna have some backlash sometimes you're gonna do shit in poor taste and it's gonna happen like i don't think necessarily you get that pass as a comedian though i think i think it should be that anyone i like what makes it different that like you're saying it versus a comedian saying it like what's this responsibility if you're not saying it's the awareness of it is it just for them to put it like what gives them this license that other people wouldn't i'm saying like i think it should be consistent i don't see like well i mean people can try it in their regular life and see what happens to them if they say it to the wrong person but i also think that like the point of comedy is like a relief from the world right like and I guess you can just choose not to look at certain comedy if you don't want to. Yeah. And like, I've definitely been to comedy shows where I fucking laughed my ass off. And like, I saw a bunch of really offended people leave. Um, it was like, it, it's, it's, 
<laughs> yeah, no, I've definitely been to comedy shows where like I saw a lot of offended people leave, but like that's just it. You know, like I've also been in films where. Well, you can still say it's offensive and you can still have a comedian. And I mean, I guess what you're talking about is whether or not they should be censored or not. They shouldn't be censored. Which is they shouldn't be censored. But like you can still be offended and still be like, that's not taste. Like that's but I think, not really ethical. You but can I even think say it's not the ethical. The reason why even some people will laugh, like even if you said like a, like, um, like a racist stereotype joke to like, an, um, like at a roast, right? Like let's say you said something shitty to Snoop Dogg, right? He knows what he's there for and, and not to say that it's fair that he get like that, that racism comes out or whatever, but he also has an opportunity to respond and he also is probably going knowing that there's this out there. So there's like, there's a level of fun and well, camaraderie, Well, right? that's what I'm saying about, I find it's, I know comedy in general does this sort of stuff, but in terms of seeing it in the media, I, I for some reason the roast is where I feel like, I'm like, wow, they really go to another level that like... I feel like a lot of maybe maybe this is wrong, but I feel like a lot of other comedy when they go there, there's at least like, a like I I would not see a white comedian just going on about black people and how they needed like you know their problems with only like not having enough daddies and how like they all, like they just wouldn't just do a one-sided thing and then maybe you're saying because he is there to defend like but like but that it's would also just be, but it's also pointed at these very specific people. And, like, it probably wouldn't, if you went to a comedy show, it wouldn't be, like, 15 minutes of that. Like, it would be a version of, like, and I think it is, you want to find the humor in it, right? Like, Dave Chappelle said that the reason he, like, what made him quit the Chappelle show. was because, yeah, it was the wrong audience. And people weren't laughing at the parts that he thought was supposed to be funny. No, was because during this one skit where it was, like, um... It was, like, this guy on a plane who was, like, had, like, a little devil, a little black man on his shoulder, like, trying to encourage him to, like, choose, like, the most stereotypical thing was, like, get that chicken or whatever. Yeah. Like, I think it was something like that. Um, like, get the fried chicken. You know you want the fried chicken. Tell yeah. him, you know. And he's, like, I'll have the fish, please. And the guy's, like, the little guy's on his shoulder or whatever. Anyway, he said that, like, in the audience – there was this white man who just laughed at it so loud and wouldn't stop laughing. That's that what I mean. It struck him. Well, it was That's that what I said. But yes. No, you said they were laughing at the wrong thing, but like I don't think it was that they were laughing at the wrong thing. He was making fun of the stereotype, but then he realized that someone like there was something in it that this this it struck a chord when this person well, that's what I'm, found okay, well, I'm, so much tr like I guess took that took that truth I think that the thing about comedy is that it's personal it's like related to you right and then when it gets out there and it's like it's someone else like someone else well, can take it too far yeah and I guess that's what I I didn't mean like the I meant like the wrong I mean I guess I'm wrong or right but not the intended person to be laughing at it for those reasons I meant for the I reasons mean, I think he meant so, like, for everyone to laugh at it but he just didn't know this no, person would okay, find let me, so much on, let me joy explain. well they the joy but it's also this context of because I've been there. I've, I've watched Chappelle with people who don't have any black friends, who have no context for it except from the media, and laughing, having that same exact response um, of laughing at, like, you know, what's it? What's the crackhead, right? Um, oh, the, is it Mikey? What's his name? The guy with the white lips. So yeah. yeah, and he, you know, he was this crackhead or whatever, and just this whole, like, hilarious, um, you know, caricature of, like, like black people and 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 crack it and like and having that connection and laughing at it in that way in terms of just like seeing without seeing the context of 
of any sort of, I think there's, like you were saying, you go there for the relief to see a humor in it, but it is this partial reality of well, it being in poverty, which doesn't apply to all black people. I'm not saying that it's necessarily that, but like there's a way that you laugh at it because you know the truth and like also like finding- and Because you're laughing at it. You're it's laughing like it's sad at- in, on some level. Well, I think that a lot of times- Versus just being like, ha ha ha. I don't know. I like- think that sometimes you're laughing at the idea of a stereotype. Like the idea of the stereotype, like, like that, like, this is how black people are portrayed in some, like, you know, this is how they used to be portrayed, portrayed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, like when people do like, oh yes, master, whatever, like as a, you know, as a joke in films, which actually there was like bringing down the house or something with, um, I love that movie with, uh, Queen Latifah where she's like, he's asking her to do things and she's like, oh yes, master, whatever. As he's pretending she's this, she's the maid or whatever. And like. That's funny because he, in that situation, he's acting like telling her to act like he's, you know, it's a reference to, to cultural, like a cultural past. Right. 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 And she's like, you're not putting me in that box, but it's funny because they're making fun of the fact that she got put like the context of what that, that, uh, stereotype was, right. You're laughing at the idea of the stereotype, not this person. Right. And I think that's your point about it. Cause I think what's uncomfortable when I see like some of my white friends who don't have that context, who laugh at those sort of things. If they saw a real black person just like eating fried chicken, they'd be like, huh, huh. Like they would who think you, that's who funny. Are you friends with? This is Massachusetts. We literally don't have black <laughs> people. Like this is like, this is real. Like, and like, I mean, if you I work mean, in groups of like where, and it's also like when, when, when minorities aren't around, like the type of things that people say or whatever are like, think it's funny in their circles. And like, it's, I, I, it's, yeah. it's my experience with how, yeah, people who are Well, I, I have had to. that experience where people would say, I asked some of my friends, like some of my white friends, stop saying ghetto and they'd be like, that's ghetto. Because like, I feel like when I had something that's ghetto, it's like, it's janky. But then I felt like the way they were, some people were using it was like, oh, if you dance, like if you dance a certain way, like I can dance. Yeah. And then you'd be like, oh my God, you dance so ghetto. And it's like, don't say that. That's not like, a, that's well, not yeah, a thing. Like, that's not a th- what you're saying is like you yeah. dance, you dance ethnic. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which is not, which is fucked up. And yeah. so like, I actually had this talk with my friends and they were kind of like, I-, I don't mean it that way. It's just that that's how you say that. And I'm like, that's not how you say that. Well, that's what I mean. And yeah, that's why I'm yeah, funny about get- like who I will actually say some pretty, like, I think offensive things, making fun <laughs> of the fact that, that it's offensive kind of thing. Yeah. But I would only say that around people that I feel like have a certain awareness if I just met someone and I couldn't tell and they thought I was just doing it to be cool or something you know like they didn't get the 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 satire in in some ways like I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that no I get that no I get that and I think that that's why comedy it's it's walking a tightrope and I actually think that that's why it's important there's some people I think that genuinely aren't funny like I don't think Tosh whatever Daniel Tosh is funny he's terrible I hate him and it's like part so like the thing that makes the joke funny is that it's rooted in some truth but then there's also some like there needs to be some relationship to it right like that there's some sincerity that comes from you know people right yeah um from the delivery and i mean i don't think you should censor comedy but you know you you're definitely gonna sometimes offend people and like actually a lot of comedians now they won't even let you have a phone in um a phone out because like it can get people in a lot of trouble. They have to try things to know if they work. Like a lot of jokes is like you just finesse them in the right way. Totally. Yeah. Um, I mean, I totally believe in, 
freedom of speech. Here we go again. And I and I don't think we should be censored. And this is another one where I think it's so black and white about everything. Where, um, like being politically correct has been, um, I think, con- very controversial. And actually, honestly, the the phrase sounds controversial. Politically correct. It sounds like it does sound like censorship. Where, like you can only s- say things that are according to certain rules. But when really the real issue is about making people feel safe and respected and and included, you know? And when people talk about political correctness and whether it should be, people talk about censorship immediately. But I feel like you can have that conversation where, like, yeah, let's promote freedom of speech. Let's promote a conversation. Let's promote, like, pushing this dialogue forward. Because if you do just censor people, it doesn't push the conversation forward. And, like, coming from... I guess what I'm usually thinking about this is like I went to a liberal arts school. So it's a private institution. They can set up whatever rules they want. And so there would be examples that are definitely um, would make that weren't inclusive. Like, for example, you know, a lot of theme parties. So there was like a pimps and hoes party. And there's these um, which technically may not be offensive, but can go on a slippery slope when literally people were dressing up in blackface and then pretending. That, yeah. So that's really bad too, but then also thinking like, oh, you got to be black to be a pimp and a hoe. Like, no, like, you know, and just pretty much playing off what they've seen in hip hop and just so like ignorant of the context because they're mostly people well, from the Midwest who don't know what It all comes from people wanting to be included. And like, it's so bizarre that in our inclusiveness, we end up in, like alienating people. Because right, so they want to, they <laughs> think they're just being cool and funny and they want to be like Snoop Dogg or whatever. And then it ends up being really offensive. So that actually is an opportunity for a conversation and I actually think for people to have, because at the same time, you can't blame someone who's only grown up in the Midwest, never had any black people who have like a specific thing. Like they, they need to be educated and they should also see like why that's offensive and have some new relationships with people with other perspectives. And that actually will be more constructive than just being like, okay, now you're suspended for a month and not knowing why. Oh, they used to just suspend people for doing. And like I think a that's what people thing. think of when they think of political correct- correctness. It's like, oh, like what, you want to censor people now so they can't say anything and they're going to be penalized for like just speaking their mind. Like, and I, I don't think that's necessarily constructive either. Like, and I also think that the idea of sometimes of people trying to be super politically correct feels like almost like they're they that people then get to own whole conversations that aren't even about them. Yes. And that's what, that's the real threat of why people get it. Get frustrated. frustrated with like, yeah. Oh, I can't, why is this so political correct? And I can't say the things that I want to well, say. Well, like part of it is just that, yeah, it's like sometimes, sometimes it's not worth it to explain it. And sometimes, you know, it is like, and it's less about being politically correct. And like, I don't know, like, um, I was, I don't know if I should tell the story, but I was with um, someone who was visiting from out of the country. She's from another country. And we were, we got off the train in bed to go to a barbecue and we walk out the train. And the first thing she said, and she meant it like in all like k- kindness. She was like, bed it sounds like a, it's like a pigsty. And <laughs> she said it really loudly. And right. I was just like this white girl in this black neighborhood screaming, it's like a pigsty. <laughs> yeah. And I just like was like, don't say that. Just don't, don't say that. And she goes, no, we have a very, word very similar. And, and, I, and she was trying to say that the, the, the know, word right, right. S-T-U-Y means like a pigsty in her language. There's a stewie or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, no. And she starts saying it again. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, just stop. <laughs> like, and she's like what's going on? And I was just like, I don't want these people to think that you're saying their neighborhood is a pigsty. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, like, 
Cause, Cause you, ob- she obviously doesn't like, she, she like, she didn't even know really what bedside was about even. Yeah. And so then of- I'm just like, there's just like a lot of racial tension. And also like, you're like, and, and first of all, it's rude. It would just be rude for anybody to hear that. But then you're also like the one white person in the, like, in and it's the, a like, real thing. Like, like you're, you're the how? one white person on this block right now. Like it's a real thing too. <laughs> like how many sty. people <laughs> have I met that especially um, moved to New York they come from wherever, and then you ask them where they live. They have, especially, I don't know, maybe because I work in fashion. I feel like I've met so many of these fashion people who are like, oh, I, I still live in Brooklyn. And there's this whole, like, you know, and there's this whole, like, oh, I hate this neighborhood. It's not as cool as this neighborhood. Like, someday I'll make more money to, like, and it's just, like, shitting on this neighborhood where people live, that people grew up, and there's history there. And just, like, it's not, <laughs> it's yeah. not their hipster idea or whatever their fashion idea of what they wanted from the, from the, from the TVs and movies and then just shitting on this neighbor. It just makes yeah, me so Yeah, and mad. then I was just explaining to her, like, gentrification is a huge issue in Brooklyn. And, like, I, you know, just, like, there's this – I just don't want somebody to think that that's what you're saying about their neighborhood, even though that's not what you're saying. Right. <laughs> but, well, she, yeah. Well, anyway. Welcome to our, our, our hood. Brain. Yeah. <laughs> our brain. Our <laughs> brain hood. This is uh, – I guess this was this was fun. This is this what is we fun. normally. This I, is normally what we do for like two hours before we even record. It's true. Um, we go back and forth about our various different experiences and opinions about about life and what's going on. Yeah, um, and we heard that we heard some feedback that people wanted to hear more. So we said we would, we would try it. We'll try it. Um, so yeah, let us know what you think. And um, yeah. You can uh, you can follow us on all the social medias at Chill Ambitious, uh, and also check out our website chillandambitious.com. And yo, please let us know what you think. If you think, you know, if you agreed with us, you didn't agree with us, um, and if you are interested in hearing more of our opinions. Yeah. Anyhow, um, she's oh, I'm no. Oh wait, should we hold on? Should we do like a thing? Question you didn't know was relevant or any of that. Or should we do like a Rita? Um, oh, okay. Yeah, we can do. Um, actually, so we don't have like a review this week, but we did hear. Um, well, yeah, do your victories. Yeah, let's talk okay, about Okay, so yeah. So instead of a review this week, we're going to do victories. So it's a vic- victories of our review. Um, actually, I had someone reach out to me and said that they wanted to have two of our guests from San Francisco come in and talk to their high school class. Of our, yeah, our life innovators. Of our life innovators. Because um, they listened to yeah. our podcast. And then they liked two of them um, and thought that they would be really inspiring to bring into their classes. So they're going to, she's going to have them come in and do, um, and speak there. There's even a stipend, I believe. Um, and then we actually also um, heard from Mina McQueen. Our dominatrix. Check out that episode if you haven't yet. Um, it's a, it's a really popular Kink episode. and consciousness. Um, and, yeah, she ended up getting a what she said was a really great client through listening to who listened to our episode, her episode, and reached out. And she said that this person was a very good client. Yeah, and if you listen to the episode, you'll hear how she's actually really choosy about clients. So it's not like oh, like you found like she. It's hard to find a good match. She pretty much only fucks with clients that she wouldn't would fuck with otherwise <laughs> if she wasn't getting paid so so just like oh a good client yeah um, so that was exciting we had a lot of victories this week which were great to hear um yeah so let us know what you thought um all the social medias 
at chill ambitious and chill and ambitious.com. Um, sh- I'm O. I'm No. And we love you. Bye-bye. Bye bye.